You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Acme Packing Company podcast feed. I'm Justice Mosqueda. This is Intercepted. And I'm joined here by Brad Spielberger. Say what's up to the people, Brad. People. He is our resident Bears fan. Um, How excited are you for this week one? Look, I am pumped. Uh, I think it's going to be higher scoring than people expect. It'll be a fun football game. But as I DM'd you a couple days ago, the 2019 vibes for me right now simply could not be higher. And what do you what do you mean by that? By 2019 yeah. vibes? Of course, of course. So, and I'll be honest, I was less swept up in the Mitchell Trubisky fever, uh, the hype mania <laughs> going into 2019. I really wasn't. Um, I have not been as good about not falling in love with Justin Fields, but, but yeah, I mean, there was literally in Chicago and your fans will just cackle at this. Like there was the, we're going to go into Green Bay. I think it was in Green Bay that year. And we're going to pass the torch from Aaron Rodgers to Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, it's going to be the, the, you know, changing of the guard in the NFC North. We all bought into it. Khalil Mack comes in, all these things. Um, and then of course they laid an absolute egg and, and you knew right away that night, like Trubisky's not the guy and this team needs to start over. The Bears aren't going to get to that point. They are all extra draft capital. Like they still have, you know, room to grow, but if Fields comes out and stinks, like it's going to be tough. Where are you guys at on Fields? Because I see two completely diaposed sections of it online, which, you know, not surprising. Twitter is a dumpster fire, trash water, um, sewer. Um, but you have one side that is like, Justin Fields is the guy. We already knew he could run. Now we have all this talent around him at wide receiver for the first time. And then um, the other side is DJ Moore isn't going to take 80-yard screens like he did in this preseason. That doesn't matter. Fields still isn't the guy. So, like, where are – is it the fan base split on Justin Fields right now? Or are they, like, all in on him and they're, like, all these wide receivers, yada, yada, yada? I would say it's funny. Like they, everyone is all in, but I think the split is the degree of, okay, this guy's going to come out and throw for 4,000 yards and still run for 800 plus and just be like this elite quarterback. Whereas I fall in the camp of, I think if you're trying to pigeonhole who he is or make him into a certain type of player, you're just not appreciating like what he's good at, where his talent lies and how he wins in an offense. Um, and his ability to weaponize his ability, he's going to take a step. Like he's going to get better. I, I think we are going to see growth as a passer, as a quote unquote pocket passer, all those things. Like I've heard his average time to throw should come way down because he's just processing things way quicker, feels a lot more comfortable with Getsy. You know, it, yeah, the hype, no, it, trust me, people think he's a future MVP of the league. I think like, I just want him to see, you know, be a good quarterback this year, stack good weeks, make fewer mistakes. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking a whole lot, but again, if he, if he lays an egg and like, he doesn't, you know, it looks like he's kind of out of his element. They still not really processing very quickly. Uh, that's when you get a little bit concerned. If Jordan love outperforms Justin Fields this weekend, what, what is it going to look like in Chicago? Is it immediate meltdown? It will be immediate meltdown. I, I guess my <laughs> like built in excuse is like, I still think Jordan Love is going to have four seconds per drop back sitting back there. There, there is not going to be any pressure on him whatsoever. I know I saw Bakhtiari's resting, but it seems like just his veteran rest, not any injury issue there. And I know Watson, I guess he was back today, but you know, Dobbs injury, all those things, or I think I had that flip. But anyway, um, you know, I, like he should have a better environment around him against, I still think one of the worst defenses in the NFL, but it's got to be close. Like it's got to be their stat lines are similar. They both make some good plays, few negative plays. Um, but yeah, again, I think Bears fans think love is going to stink. Yes. It's the preseason. Yes. It's a small sample size. I thought love looked good in the preseason personally. I thought he looked fine. Um, big time, just like run the offense vibes. And then, you know, those deep shots are going to hit more once uh, those receivers and him have a little bit more chemistry because obviously they're they're not where they need to be 
right now. Um, you brought up the injury report, so I'll get this done uh, off the top end. Uh, David Bakhtiari hasn't practiced the last two days. Not a surprise if you've kept up with David Bakhtiari's summer, basically. Um, LeFleur initially called it a modified practice schedule, and through training camp, what they were basically doing was like one day on, one day off, and then when they're going full contact and stuff like that, they're taking him out. Um, that's changed. He's practiced even less uh, recently, if you can imagine that. I believe him and Jair Alexander were the only two players who didn't get in um, the preseason games this year. They actually did play, you know, all, all these guys. Um, and the whole mantra is just, yeah, uh, he doesn't really need practice. He's been in the league for like a decade now. So we're just going to try to keep him healthy for games and make sure he can play games. And we'll see how that works out. Um, I fully believe he's going to play this game in Chicago. Um, you know, Matt LaFleur said as much. David Bakhtiari said so in the locker room today. Uh, we're, I'm recording this on a Thursday. You guys are going to be hearing this on Friday. Um, my big concern is next week because it has not really been an issue that David Bakhtiari can't go for one week. It's the back-to-back weeks playing the full game plus turf. And next week's in Atlanta, and that's on turf. So that's going to be very interesting to me. I don't think he's finished a turf game since his injury, and that was New Year's Eve 2020. So, yeah, I mean, think of how different life was back then. So <laughs> to put to put it in perspective, um, the other thing you mentioned – uh, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. I, I think that's the story coming into this game. It's like, oh, my God. Um, the Packers were already thin at receiver, and now they might be even thinner. Both of them are dealing with hamstring injuries. Romeo Dobbs returned to practice today on Thursday, but he missed the Wednesday practice. Um, not a great sign considering the fact that he injured his hamstring two weeks ago. He was held out of the preseason finale um, against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Christian Watson's injury was a new one on on Wednesday. Um, that kind of surprised everyone. He hasn't gone back-to-back practices. I would assume if you're missing back-to-back practices with a new soft tissue injury, I don't think you're going to play on Sunday. And maybe they push him to do it, but like if they do, then that's only going to take longer for that hamstring to rebuild. And he's a speedster that you want running vertical. So like, I don't know what you do. Hamstrings are like the trickiest little things in the NFL, it's not like going to derail your career, but it's also like can hamper your entire season, which is really unfortunate. So the next guy up as an outside receiver um, in preseason week three, the Packers ended up using um, Malik Heath actually as the outside receiver to replace Romeo Dobbs. Um, If Watson can't go, I would assume Heath is going to be the other outside guy. And then Jaden Reed is just going to be that full-time slot receiver, um, which is, you know, almost exclusively what he played. Um, during the summer, the next guy after that. So like if Dobbs and Watson aren't out there, you probably call up Dontavian Wicks, who just recently came off of his own hamstring injury. Like he was a limited participant on Wednesday, full participant on Thursday. So I don't know if these guys are like running 40 yard dashes or what the hell they're doing in practice, but like we got to save a hamstring at some point. All these guys are banged up. Um, that's where we're at as far as the injury report. The the Bears don't have, like, anyone. I think everyone was a full participant or was, like, out for, uh, like, Mercedes Lewis was out for, like, a veteran day. Packers fans are used to that stuff. The only guy who was actually missing from practice was Dylan Cole, who, according to our lads, is the third-string Will linebacker on this Bears team. So the Bears are coming in pretty healthy. They are. I guess I would say Tevin Jenkins, obviously not practicing because he's now ruled out. So not playing. And I do think that interior, uh, you know, up against Kenny Clark. And, and if we see growth from Devontae Wyatt will be interesting. Uh, and, and then Jaquan Brisker, I, he may have practiced today, but they're still yeah. talking about how they want to test him out pregame, like see where he's at. He's been out for an extended period. I do think he'd be a pretty big loss, particularly in this matchup. Um, you know, I mean, a guy that can fit the run against what they're going to do against Green Bay. Eddie Jackson cannot really do that. Elijah Hicks, I would imagine, is the next guy up there. I don't even really have much to tell you about Elijah Hicks, uh, frankly. So, yeah, that, that'll be a big loss. But, yeah, other, otherwise, they are pretty healthy. Jaquan Brisker had some choice comments about the Packers this week. Did you see those? I, I did. I did. Him and Justin Jones, who just loves talking Packers for whatever reason. <laughs> they said they hate Green Bay. I So, Jaquan Brisker was a guy who the Packers brought in, not this past season, but the season before, as one of their 30 visits. 
So he was willing to come in. They ended up obviously trading up in the second round to go grab Christian Watson, but he was, I think, firmly on their radar at safety. And, you know, if if they were thinking about adding a guy a year ahead of time, and now their safety situation is just barren. I mean, I think Jaquan Brisker would have been their number one safety coming into this year now. But, yeah, he's got choice words for the Packers. Hopefully he could play. He mentioned um, he didn't get to play the Packers in the second time uh, they faced off last season. So I don't know. What what happens if Brisker doesn't go in this one and they lose again? He is 0-3 with two no-shows. Bad, bad I start. Like, I feel like you can't talk trash if you don't have a decent idea that you're going to play, right? Like You can't be like, yeah. yeah, I'm setting up my boys for for like, hey, yeah. the Packers <laughs> suck. We're going to steamroll them. Hey, good luck, fellas. You got this. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think he's going to end up playing. Um, yeah. Just the vibes on this offense. What what the hell is going on with like the skill players? Because I'm, I'm looking at Chicago – and obviously, you know, Khalil Herbert's there, uh, Deonta Foreman. The guy I'm really interested in is Roshan Johnson. He was a guy who was B. John, John, or B. John Robinson's um, backup at Texas. He got drafted in the fourth round as a backup running back, right? We're talking about running backs aren't valued, running backs aren't valued, running backs aren't valued. Well, this college backup just got drafted in the fourth round, which tells you how special, one, he was as a backup, and two, B. John was as the starting running back for that Texas team. Um he was a guy I really became a fan of really late in the draft process when I finally got to those backs. Is he going to get any playing time in this game? How are they using those backs? I think week one, you're probably not going to see a whole lot of Roshan Johnson. I think by like week 10, he might be the lead back in the backfield. But uh, right now, it's been kind of a one-two punch with Herbert and Foreman. In preseason games, they were taking all series with Justin Fields. And then you'd see Roshan with you know Nathan Cederman uh, mm-hmm. or, or Tyson Badgett, Chicago Bears legend. Like He was really not mixing in with the starters. But at the same time, in a weird way, I think he might already be the best pass blocker of all three of those guys. Uh, I know he can catch balls out of the backfield. Um, you know, like we, there's videos of him running choice routes, Texas routes, like doing different things. And clearly they like where he's going to be. So yeah. week one, I, I, I would guess it's, it's mostly uh, the Khalil Herbert show and, and Deontay Foreman on early downs. But eventually I think he's going to be the dude. I think so, too. I wouldn't be surprised if it was the end of the season. That guy yeah. is just if you were doing your end. Honestly, I really like the Bears draft. I don't want to pound this too hard because I think we did it, um, you know, around the draft. But, like, Darnell Wright is a player I think they firmly would have considered with that Lucas Van Ness selection, Um, you know, that first-round pick. I think he even came in on a visit, too. Um, Roshan Johnson, again, another guy that I really liked. Jervon Dexter, like, all the potential in the world. Um, The the defensive lineman out of Florida, sorry. He was a second-round pick. Um. Is he going to end up starting? He probably he will play a lot. He'll probably play a okay. lot. I, yeah, I think right now they're using him like way more. It's interesting. Zach Pickens is playing more one-tech, nose-tackle type alignments, and Dexter's been a clear three-tech, which Good. I'm not saying I expected Dexter to be you know, a <laughs> nose-tackle, but it's kind of a – yeah, like you know Pickens. Yeah, 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 you're laughing already. So that's been kind of weird, but – yeah, I like Dexter too. It's weird. He has the slowest get off I've seen like at certain snaps. It's crazy. But then once he does get off the ball, he's a he's a mauler. Like he's stronger than most guys out there including, you know, NFL starters in preseason games. So, you'll you'll see a good dose cuz like Justin Jones and the guys they have there, you know, they they're not there for the long haul. Um Dexter by the way, a uh, little over 65, 312 pounds is what he's listed at. He's still only a 21-year-old. Really athletic, really long. Um, think he can be kind of like an Eric Armstead guy if everything ends up breaking out right. And, you know, Eric needed time to, uh, to develop too. Dexter's so weird because at Florida, he was in a four point stance. And a lot of times when I was watching those Chicago Bears preseason games, he was still in a four point stance. And I was like, whoa, this doesn't happen in the NFL, especially not at three technique. You know, maybe you do that with the nose and, you know, those guys don't have to move, but. I don't know. It's 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 really weird. It might be like one of those Daniel Hunter things where it's like, yeah, it'll take two years and then he'll, you know, he'll be able to get into a three point stance and just be able to pin his ears back. And you're like, wait, what? Why wasn't this guy a top 10 pick? This is odd. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you do see that athleticism pop up. I mean, obviously he tested well all those things, but you do see a couple snaps and it gets you super excited. Yeah. But then at the same time, like you said, you do see occasionally gets washed out of plays if he doesn't have a good get off at the snap. And, but yeah, not to make the whole, you know, show about Gavon Dexter, but I think there is there, like, I was, I wasn't off my radar, but when they took him that early, I was like, okay, interesting. And you watch more and more tape and, and you get it. Yeah. Um, two more rookies 
I want to talk about on this team. Again, I like this rookie draft class, and I really hate that it happened to the Bears. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson, the cornerback out of Miami. Um, I think a, lo- a couple people were surprised that he went so high in the draft. He was talked about more as like an early day three type of guy, um, one of those mid-round type of selections. He ended up going in the second round. thought he was really – I think he has man coverage skills, and he's really aggressive as a tackler. Um, and certainly he's a little rough around the edges. But, like, as far as, like, potential goes, like, that's that's what a potential starting cornerback ends up looking like. And then uh, the other guy, Noah Sewell, Sko Ducks, inside linebacker, he's going to be a backup for this game. Um, I think he's the first player I've ever seen get carted off the field and then return to play before. And that's kind of how you describe Noah Sewell. He's basically, like a defensive tackle and like a 250 pound inside linebacker, just like plugger um, type body. But I've seen him literally like look lifeless on the field, go on a cart, come back out, like the next drive. And he's calling plays. And I'm like, this dude is insane. Obviously, you know, he has a brother in the NFC North too. Um. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's super. Yeah. Right. Also a freak athlete and all those things. He's super interesting as well to where, again, we're talking about week one matchup and now we're talking about guys that are probably going to be factors in 2025, but like he, he is the backup Sam to Jack Sandball right now. I honestly think without off season uh, injuries, he may have actually won that job, but I almost, you hear people talk about him in the building a little bit. Like you almost get the sense they might use him as like a Leo, like a Seattle type, like, like hybrid, like sometimes hand in the dirt rusher. Yeah. They, they really like his ability to play forward. Um, it's interesting. He's, Again, he's, that's down he's the big enough and really, yeah. I mean, to your point, yeah, you want him going forward. You don't want him yeah. dropping back into coverage. That's not how he wins. But yeah, I mean, probably, I don't know, like 30 years ago, that probably, that guy's probably a first round pick. You know what I mean? Like it's just the game has just kind of changed. A little bit. Um, back to the skill players. Tight end. I, w- I want to hear your take on this because you're a smart guy. You look at numbers, right? Everyone says you can't pay a running back. You can't pay a running back. You can't pay a running back. I feel like the guy who has been used as the example of you can pay running backs is Cole Komet. Because they're like, how can you pay this mid-level tight end so much money, but you cannot pay great running backs? It's honestly hilarious because I do think like the Cole Komet four year, $50 million deal was probably if structured correctly with guarantees and all of that is probably a deal where like Saquon Barkley, let's say the cash flows were strong. The guarantees were super strong. Like I think he at least entertains, maybe he doesn't sign it. Maybe he wants to hit 13, whatever. But like, I think that was in a realistic range of outcomes for one of the most talented backs in the entire NFL to sign the giants. It seems like didn't even really make a strong effort to get that done. Yeah, it, it is pretty funny. He is kind of the poster child for that now. I get it. Look, is it a probably a slight overpay? Sure. They knew Hawkinson was coming. They knew a couple other tight end deals were coming down the pike. They also just love the kid as a person, all those things, yada, yada. Um, yeah, it's a bit rich, uh, but, you know, he's kind of a throwback player. They like him in the red zone last year. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of paying for a role, but, you know, he played 900-plus snaps as a tight end last year. That should hopefully go down, and maybe he's a little bit more efficient uh, and more productive with fewer snaps. What do you think about the Hawkinson deal? I can't believe it. Exactly. Not he's neither. no he's no Kittle. He's no Kelsey. I would take Goddard ahead of him. Yep. I think by a healthy margin. I just I understand he got a lot of targets last year, but wasn't the Vikings' problem that they didn't have another receiver to throw the ball to once teams started clouding up Justin Jefferson, and that's why they spent a first round pick on Jordan Addison? Like it isn't like why are we also why why are we clearly they could not build their passing offense around TJ Hawkinson as the number two pass catching target. But at the same time, they also paid Hawkinson to be exactly that player based off of past performance, just off of the raw numbers. I I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, we trade a second and a third and yeah, they did get some picks back in that deal. And then he comes in and is second in receptions and receiving yards behind only Travis Kelsey for the second half of the season in a new offense. Again, I get it. He's no Travis Kelsey though. He's well, right. And again, I, I was going to say also his average at the target was about five yards and you get a bunch of yards after the yeah. catch. He's not winning like over the top and down the seam and doing Travis. I mean, he, like he can win a couple routes. He can beat, I don't know, smaller defenders and man and be a mismatch at times. But no, I, I agree with you. It, it's a, it's a, it's a very, very strong deal for him. But you kind of, once you make that trade, you kind of, you're already locked into that or, or you let him walk, I guess. 
Yeah. How much how much playing time do you think Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis are gonna get in that tight end room, right? They're obviously familiar faces for the Packers. We know what the roles are. Tunyon's gonna be a pass catcher. Um Lewis is gonna be, you know, more of an inline type of guy. But like how does how do they like fit in that room with Komet? Um, because obviously they played off of just each other and then basically like Josiah DeGuara basically, but now they're going into a room with a true number one tight end. Interesting because you saw last year, like the number two tight end was Ryan Griffin, who I'm not even sure is on an NFL roster right now uh, with all due respect to Ryan Griffin. Like they clearly wanted to uh, upgrade and add talent there. I think Tunning is a pure you, basically a slot player. They're never going to have him in line doing anything of that nature. That'll be Mercedes occasionally. And obviously Komet is going to play a lot in line. So I don't know. I don't. It's weird because as much as you say, okay, they're going to play a lot more 12 now. Yeah, but you have three receivers that you probably should have on the football field, uh, you know, pretty much as as often as possible uh, with Mooney, Claypool, and more. So, I don't know, probably not a ton. I think there'll be situational players, matchup specific. So, week one, I think you'll probably see more uh, of Tunyon and Lewis than other weeks throughout the season just because of what they're, you know, trying to do against Joe Barry. But, yeah, I, I think limited roles. I mean, they both signed basically minimum contracts. So, smaller roles. If, if they are in a lot more 12 – who do you think that receiver off is, is going to be knocked off the field? Is it going to be Mooney? Because, you know, I think obviously DJ Moore is going to be the number one receiver there, right? Um, Just off of what they gave up, right, for for him or what his perceived value in that weird trade was. And then I guess it comes down to Claypool or Mooney. I was not impressed by Claypool. Um, the Packers almost traded that second-round pick. For him last year, I probably would have freaked out if they ended up doing that because I, I don't think he's very much of – I just don't think he's plays as big as he is, I guess, is, is the way to explain it. Like, he could physically be like that Alan Lazard type of player, but doesn't seem like he really has that mentality. They also try to trade their first-round pick for DJ Moore at the trade deadline, which is insane, insane. They, they were going to give up a – top 15 pick for DJ Moore in the season that they didn't make the playoffs nuts. Um, Darnell Mooney obviously is like a little bit of a smaller guy. So if you're looking at, you know, this type of offense that Packers fans are familiar with, and I say it over and over again, you know, Matt LaFleur looks almost exclusively for these like 200 pound wide receivers, right? DJ Moore and Chase Claypool will certainly fit that mold a lot better than Darnell Mooney does, even though, you know, Mooney last season was probably the team's best receiver. It's a great question. And honestly, if anyone thinks they have the right answer, I think they're lying to you. So it's weird that you mentioned the Lazard type comp for Claypool. Like he said in Pittsburgh before going to Chicago, he doesn't like playing in the slot. And yes, you can block out wide, but obviously you want to kick him inside and have him be, you know, a focal point of the, of the blocking game. He doesn't want to do it according to him, uh, you know, on the record. So he's 238 pounds, six, four plus like, dude, know your role. Like we, yeah, yeah. I need you to bust some safety's head. I'm sorry. It'd be nice. It'd and be we'll nice. get you we open off it. of play action. We'll get, we'd like, yeah. It's not like you're gonna burn guys off of double moves anyway. That's not you're not Tyreek Hill out here. Yeah, no. So I, I, it's interesting. Like when when they are in twelve, I, I really don't know. I, I do think, like you said, I think they want that bigger body profile. Like Mooney not getting extension done, I, I don't think is by accident. Maybe he plays his way. You know, he was hurt working back from an ankle pretty much until like two weeks ago, but. But, you know, I don't know if they want to keep him around because of how they want to deploy receivers. But I'm telling you, I have no idea. When, when they get into 12, if it's not Mooney or if it's not Claypool, it's, someone's going to be pissed off. That That's for sure. <laughs> um, As far as the Packers defensive side, so for matching uh, the Bears defense, um, as far as, like, who you're not going to see on the field, the big one is still Eric Stokes, right? Um, Would probably be the team starting outside cornerback or one of the teams starting outside cornerback. Um but he's on the physically unable to perform list. So he's going to be out for four weeks at least um, with that ankle injury that ended his season last year. So the starting DBs are going to end up being Jair Alexander and Russell Douglas on the outside with Keyshawn Nixon in the slot. That has been their plan this entire time. Um, you know, Carrington Valentine fits in as both the backup outside guy and the backup slot. If there's multiple injuries at cornerback, they just don't have the bodies to replace them. They only have four corners on the team, so maybe they call a guy up off of the practice squad. Um, Short-term starting safeties are going to be Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford. I think they're bad. Um, <laughs> I don't think yeah. 
anyone played well this preseason at safety outside of maybe a couple flashes from Anthony Johnson Jr. And a lot of that was in the first game. And then it kind of like died off. Um, so the stopping these receivers, if they can get going and, uh, you know, if Justin Fields is that guy, especially throwing over the middle of the field where, you know, those safeties are having to cover guys. That's where I think one of the weaknesses of this defense are right now. Yeah. And, and I think like, I guess that probably will be a lot of Mooney. Like I, th- I do think he's going to get a lot of slot alignment, Um, you know, with, with Claypool wanting to be outside. I mean, look, more can get moved around. I think they even showed, you know, the screen pass we were joking about earlier. Yeah. He, he was in the slot to begin that play. Like they're going to, they're going to move things around for sure. Yeah. I mean, they have to take advantage, I think, of the, of the, of the, of the interior, but the, the, is the slot corner and Keyshawn Nixon. And of course the safeties we're talking about, whether it's those guys, Jonathan Owens, whoever, like, if you're not winning that mismatch, then, then you're probably not winning any mismatch uh, on the defense. Yeah, for sure. Um, as far as the box goes this year, you're going to get a little bit of a different look. Kenny Clark is not playing the nose anymore. He's playing defensive end. Um, and that's going to allow TJ Slayton to play the nose and then. The other starting end is going to be Devontae Wyatt, last year's first-round pick. Um, when they get into nickel, they kind of play games with these guys. So, like, uh, not not really surprising, but, like, TJ Slayton and Clark will be out there in nickel on rundowns. Now you just have two massive defensive tackles that are hard to double-team and get to, you know, inside linebackers, right? Um, and then on passing downs, it's usually Clark and Wyatt. So, you know, more of your pass rushers, like, It's not world-breaking, but it's nice to see that Joe Barry is doing that. Um, First guy off the bench is going to end up being Colby Wooden, who had an all right summer. I think Carl Brooks actually played a little bit better than him. He had pretty good hands. Um, Outside linebacker, Preston Smith is going to start. All indications are, you know, Rashawn Gary is, you know, limited in practice, getting in on team stuff, getting in on on individual. But they keep saying that he's going to be on a pitch count and also not hinting on what type of a pitch count he's going to be on Um, the three guys that have started in the preseason are Lucas Van Ness, Justin Hollins and Kingsley and Igbari. They gave each of them a shot and they rotated them pretty evenly. So if there is an injury replacement starter, I actually don't know who it is. Like, honestly, like that's one where I'm like, could any of these guys could be fifth or they could be starting on, on Sunday. So no clue. And then, you know, Quay Walker, Rashawn Gary are going to be starting on the inside. That's interesting. Is like I thought Eddie Barry flashed a little bit at times. Again, it's I think the he's played the best of yeah. them in the past two years. And then Hollins is a guy who impressed too. But yeah, yeah, he came over from the, what the Rams, right? Like midseason yep. or or yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And then I don't know. I was higher, I think, on Lucas Van Ness than some people. Um, you know, he might be Same. a bit of a project, you know, a body recomposition, kind of like Rashawn Gary esque type deal there. But um, but I, I do think he's gonna be a good player. So I think the ability to rotate is gonna be huge. I feel fairly confident uh, about the tackles, which is funny with a you know a yeah. fifth round sophomore and, and a rookie uh, in um, Darnell Wright. Good. But... I mean, Braxton Jones, the left tackle who was picked in the fifth round last year, was probably one of the steals of the draft. I mean, he looked the part of not anything crazy, but an average starting NFL tackle, and as a rookie in yeah. the fifth round, that is a massive win. Right. Like you said, it's like, it sounds like a uh, hyperbolic. That is a steal of the draft, like already, like immediately. Um, yeah. And so he, he's a good athlete in space. I think his one thing is still just losing to power. Uh, and obviously he'll probably see some of that early on. Like you can bull rush him. You can long arm him, to, long arm him to a degree uh, and take advantage. But uh, like the, the concern more so is now this, this reworked interior where it's probably going to be white hair back at left guard, even though he was the center the entire offseason. Um, Nate Davis, I think, you know, from Tennessee, I know Nate Davis from Tennessee, I think he's going to be a good player at right guard fits in kind of the outside zone, inside zone scheme and all that. Um, and then I guess it'll probably be you know, your old pal, Lucas Patrick or, or some Dan Feeney at center that, that, that concerns me more than the tackles, uh, by, by a decent margin. Cody Whitehair. Every every time I hear about him, he's changing positions again. <laughs> every single time. And that's unfortunate because he was a guy I really liked um, when he came out of Kansas State. I was like, this is, you know, I mean, obviously the moving around, the athleticism. I think he was a tackle um, at the college level, too. Like, he was very much like a Packers type of offensive lineman. But it seems like just because they've moved him around so much, he's never been able to, like, fully develop into, like, that kind of star, even though he had that potential. 
Yeah, I mean, like he got the deal and like was, I think, ascending. Um, you know, like he, when he got paid, like there was not a Bears fan around that was upset with that contract. Like I think he earned right. the deal, but it, at that point he was starting to move around, and then you threw in injuries here and there. So he was not only switching positions all the time, but also working back and rehabbing things. He just doesn't look like the same guy. Like I, you know, hopefully now he's healthy, had a fully healthy off season. But yeah, like it just almost looks like a, a loss of confidence to a degree. He's not that old, but um. We'll see. I, I like him more left guard than center. He has snapping issues and shotgun, and obviously they ran a ton of shotgun. Um, I think we'll see more under center this year, but nevertheless, uh, yeah, th- th- that interior is going to be interesting. Talking about snapping, um, Josh Myers, the Packers starting center, has had weird snaps throughout the summer um, in both the preseason and in practice, so that might be something to look after. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, let's look at the Bears def. What what are they going to run on the defensive side of the ball this year? We're going to see a ton of cover two, cover three. Um, I think you will see more like because of the Tyreek Stevenson addition, and honestly, even you know, a little bit of Terrell Smith out of Minnesota, who some people liked even more than Tyreek. Uh, you know, that I talk with in kind of the the, the draft sphere. Um, you're going to see more man coverage. I think they are going to, I mean, they were just playing soft zone and kind of just staying in front of people last yeah. year. Uh, I think you're going to see less of that. Um, like you said, Tyreek, yeah, he'll take chances. He might double moves, might burn him, but you know, wants to come up, make plays, tackle, um, you know, wants to set edges in the run game. If he, if he can diagnose like, but yeah, anyway, end of the day, you still get their preseason splits, you know, 60 plus percent was cover two or cover three. Nice. So they're just gonna, they're just gonna play zone. I like that. Get, get zone action. <laughs> get in your run fits. Move out of that zone. Um, just looking at these guys, like there are obviously some additions. The big one, Yannick Ngakwe, um, is, you know, a pass rusher for his 80th team in his 80th season. It feels like, right? Like every team ends up signing him. And they're like, you're a great pass rusher. You don't really do for much, much for us on rundowns. We can't really pay you like that. And then he just goes on to his next team. And then the other one, Tremaine Edmonds, um, the inside linebacker, which, Everyone kind of looked at them puzzlingly, I guess, a little bit. Um, I kind of get it. Like they, they're like, yeah, we wanted the, you know, big guy instead of Roquan Smith because they just traded Roquan Smith, Smith this past season. Um, I, I know Edmonds had a better season last year than he had previously, and it was funny because, right, Edmonds was a guy who, because of his size, because of his athleticism, he ends up going in the middle of the first round. Probably is overrated strongly for his first three years in the league because he's on a winning team, right? And he's putting up tackles and stuff like that, that, you know, counting stats. A couple years ago, who was it? Like Paul Werlow was like leading the NFL in in tackles. And it's like, that guy's one of the worst players in the league. (laughs) I I don't think tackles mean anything anymore. Um, So Edmonds had this like weird trajectory of like, could be super good to like super overrated and then like, that last year finally seems like he like puts it fully together and now he's a Chicago bear. It'll be interesting to see if he can be that guy long-term. Um, what do you think those two really bring to the table? So, so we'll start with Ngakwe. Like you said, he's a wide nine pass rusher that can do pretty much nothing else on early downs. Uh, and I think because of that, you're going to see Demarcus Walker probably on the edge, um, you know, on early downs, then kick inside for pass rushing downs and you'll have Ngakwe out wide um, for Edmonds. I always have this caveat. Uh, all this information, all these conversations were before he signed with the Chicago Bears. 
it's fair to wonder, like, why did he have his, you know, one of his clearly best seasons, if not by far his best season, you know, in his fifth year option year, in his contract. He's year, also like those... 20 still, Correct. right? <laughs> He's still 25 years old right now. All right. Going into his sixth NFL season, it's September 7th. He is still 25 years old. So it was that. It was his look. He came in super young, super, super raw, didn't really know what he was doing. And also, you know, people think of the Bills D line is good, but when he first got in, like, they were not very good. And, and I think it was. Um, you know, there, there was a lot going on there. So last year, I think he looked so much more comfortable. Like you just watch him like not bite on play action as, as aggressively and like just be more confident and comfortable in what he's doing. And like you said, they want that six, four Mike to run the, run the alley and like be able to cover and, and, and do things over the middle that as good as Roquan is, you know, he's what six foot, maybe six one. Like they wanted that prototypical, uh, you know, guy for that, that system, Tampa two esque adjacent, you know, say obviously you bring that up with bears. Brian yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will not, I will not say his name. Um, but yeah, so, so that's what looking for. And again, it was a massive deal. I get the question marks there, but you talk to people in Buffalo, like they would have loved to keep them, but they had no money to spend on them. Yeah. And I can tell you other teams were like, the bears were not alone in that, in, in those conversations. I, I believe it. Um, I didn't see Edmonds that much, so I ended up watching him a little bit in the offseason once that deal was signed because I was like, there's no way they gave that guy that much money because I'm, you know, I'd mostly seen him the first three years or four years that he was with the Bills. Um, then I watched him and I was like, ah, I understand it a little bit more. I probably still would have kept Roquan, but I understand it a little bit more. Um, offense for Green Bay. We kind of touched on the pass catchers already. Luke Musgrave is the guy at tight end. I am banging this drum. He played all but one snap in the preseason, which when Jordan Love was on the field. He's tight end one by far. Um, Tucker Craft and Josiah DeGuar are going to have their own little packages, um, but that's kind of where that stands. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are still going to have that timeshare in the backfield. You know, business as usual there. The offensive line should be Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon. And then uh, Zach Tom, you know, left to right with probably Rasheed Walker, first guy off the bench instead of Josh Nyman now, which is like the biggest surprise probably of this offseason outside of, you know, Malik Heath potentially starting at wide receiver this week if, you know, either Dobbs or Watson are out. Um, they seem to really like Walker and, you know, uh, they really seem to like like five of these tackles, basically. And there's like no interior line depth. If someone on the inside goes down, Either Tom's going to have to move inside or we're bringing Royce Newman off the bench. And Royce Newman has, I think, what, he's his, his third year in the league. I don't think he's passed off a stunt a single time. So that's just it's just what it's going to be. That's that's his issue. I, I like Tom's ability to kick inside again. I mean, he obviously yeah. played, like, what, all five positions in college and, and bounced around a little bit last year. So it's probably not the worst scenario to have Nyman as a swing or, or a backup right tackle yet. Yeah, that's a that's a solid unit. I know it's, for Packers, it's not like the greatest unit, but I'd probably take that in Chicago tomorrow. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good line. Um, yeah. The Packers special teams is going to be interesting. Um, Nixon didn't return a single kick in the preseason, and mm-hmm. he was the guy who was out there playing. And like I mentioned, like everyone but Alexander, who was dealing with the groin injury, um, Rashawn Gary, who was dealing with his knee, I think he didn't even come off of PUP until the preseason had actually started. And then Bakhtiari, those are the only three guys who didn't play in the preseason. Nixon didn't return a single kick. Um, Jaden Reed seems like he's going to be the punt returner. We'll see what happens in the kick return game. Um, new player at all three of the specialist positions for the Packers. They brought in uh, Matt Orzich from the Rams as their long snapper. Uh, Daniel Whalen, who's an all XFL punter. Um, he's Irish. He's from UC Davis. Uh, very non-traditional uh, path to the NFL. Um, he's going to be their their starting punter. He beat out um, Pat O'Donnell, who that was probably the biggest surprise of cutdowns. And then Anders Carlson, who's like just the most incredibly up and down kicker right now. It seems like they're fully invested in developing him and just letting him take his lumps, which if you look at the kicker market around the NFL right now, probably not the worst plan, especially in a, you know, quote unquote rebuilding year. Um, But he's missed, I think multiple PATs uh, in the preseason, but then also can like drill a 65 yarder right down the middle. Right. So it's just a consistency thing with him. Um, Could be the different, like, I'm not going to say Anders Carlson couldn't lose the Packers this game. He absolutely could. 
I just don't think that they're going to move off of him, even if that is um, the case. What, what what are the uh, Bears looking like there? It's funny. Cairo Santos is the exact opposite. Uh, from 45 yards and in, he's automatic. Although, I mean, knock on wood as I say that. Um, and then anything beyond 45 yards, it's like, let's see if he can get it there. I don't think he can. So, oh, you got a Mason you know, Crosby. That's nice. Exactly. I was about to say. So exactly. We, we know you guys got O'Donnell. We now have our version of, of, uh, Mason Crosby in Chicago. Uh, Trenton Gill was a sixth round picker or seventh round pick last year. Good punter. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't have a lot of thoughts there. He, he's solid, um, has the leg, but also just like didn't have any muffs or, or, you know, botched kicks. Pretty solid. Return game's interesting where, you know, our old pal Velas Jones lost the punt return job at another muff during the preseason. Is still going to be the kick returner. And is I he, do is like he older than Tremaine Edmonds? He probably is, actually, yeah. That's very funny. Yeah, he no, he definitely is because he's he's already, he's got to be twenty six already. So yeah, he's he's older than he's going into his second year, and the, and the six year vet on his on his second team is probably a couple months younger than he is. So yeah, that's that's a good note there. So he's kick returner, and then honestly, like. You know, all these waiver moves, you know, people kind of whatever think they're meaningless. Like the Bears getting Trent Taylor from the Bengals, I think is where he was, um, to be their punt returner and, you know, wide receiver six. Like, I think it was kind of a nice little move. You know, it's nice to have the number one waiver priority for stuff like that. Uh, and I think he'll be your week one punt returner. I just looked up a uh, touchback percentage from last year. So the Bears had touchbacks on 54% of their kickoffs. Can you guess what the Packers' percentage is? So what was the Bears again? Sorry. 54. I'm going to say Packers is lower. I'm going to say like 45. 23. No way. I love Dude, that. It, it was... was so bad. So for, <laughs> for, for perspective, there were only two other teams whose kickoff percentage was less than 44%. And that was That's Pittsburgh I, and New England. Yeah. That's nuts. They're, That's they were, insane. They were so bad at kickoffs last year because Mason just didn't have that leg. So hopefully Carlson can help bring that number up at the very least. Um, yeah. Let's get into picks. This is basically a pick em. I I think the last time I saw the line, it was one point. Maybe it changed since then. Um, so basically a pick em between Green Bay and Chicago. You look at all the win totals, the Packers and the Bears are pretty close. Though, I will say, it seems like the Packers, I mean, this is probably just Jordan Love looking competent in the uh, preseason. seems like nationally there's a lot more people being like, oh, the Packers can be sneaky in the NFC North than the Bears are. Then, you know, there are Bears fans saying that right now. Um, what do you got in this game? I, I think from May first to August, yeah, I was. I think from May first to August first, it was Bears, and I agree. Now there's been like a slow, steady drumbeat of like, oh, the Packers could be pretty good uh, the last month. Like you said, it's a it's a pick 'em for a reason. Bears are minus one. Home field advantage in today's NFL is like a point and a half, uh, so it is basically a toss up. I I do think the Packers are going to win this game. I think it's going to be close, and I do think it is going to be higher scoring. The the over under is like forty four or something like that. Maybe there's bad weather that I haven't checked yet, but I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair, which leads to more variance, more you know, different outcomes. But I don't know. I'll go 27-24 Green Bay in a heartbreaker. Uh, I'll be you know wiping the tears on my Justin Fields jersey with some buffalo sauce on, on Sunday. Chicago weather on Sunday, 75 degrees, 8-mile-per-hour eight mile eight mile winds. Okay. It's going to be sunny. Take the over, people. I I, I kind of like it. Yeah. Um. Again, the big things that just worry me about this team more than anything, because look, I'll I'll take the L on Justin Fields as a passer. I, I was a, so one. Let me explain this. Big fan of Justin Fields coming out, right? Um. But he is now, what is this third or fourth year? Third, right? Third year into the league. Um. I want to see it. And I'm just not going to assume that he's there until I see it. So I'm not really worried about the safeties, particularly um, until he can prove it, which I feel like is fine. The thing that that really worries me is like first real start with preparation for Jordan Love, right? Like he that Kansas City game was weird because he basically um, started getting prepared on Wednesday because Aaron Rodgers had COVID, and uh, they didn't adjust the game plan for him at all 
is is kind of what the story is. So it's like his first like real real start, and he might be out his two top receivers, and the kicker might not be able to make anything. That's has me worried as far as yeah. points go. I'm gonna take Green Bay, but I'm not like pound my chest confident the Bears still suck. I still own you about about this matchup. Interest for sure. I guess you know like. I should put more credit in maybe Watson not playing. If he doesn't play, like, do you have a real field stretcher on the team? I, I don't know. You tell me. I don't really think they're yeah, – right. Like Jaden Reed um, from the slot? <laughs> right, right, exactly. And then, like, I do like Jaden Reed and Musgrave coming out. But, look, they're rookies making their first starts with a quarterback who obviously is still growing too. So, yeah, I guess that kind of works against my thought there. I just I, I just like the offenses more than the defenses in this game. Um, but, yeah, the injuries, I guess, could, could be pretty key here, honestly. Yeah, I, I think – that's a massive thing to watch is what what's the situation with Dobbs? What's the situation with Watson? Um, Watson, too, is the guy who he's really important for that team. Um, he was a guy I don't want to put too much value onto this stuff, but like the Wonderlick, he was really good on the Wonderlick. Like, I think he like broke the record for receivers or something like that. And like, that's just a data point, right? Like, I'm not saying like he's one to one or anything like that. But um, the way that they talk about this kid is like he catches on to these things so quickly that we can have him play all the other roles. So he was kind of going to be like of the wide receiver position. He was going to be that Zach Tom, that Elton Jenkins, where someone goes down, we can move him around and then that'll, you know, alleviate some of the weight off of all the other receivers who are young and coming into their, you know, first opportunities for playing time. And if Watson's the guy to go down, that's when I'm like, uh oh, especially if, you know, Dobbs misses another game. So we will see. We will see. Do you do you have like any like uh I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Like like what unit do you think is gonna be particularly good in this game? Like what would you bet like tr- try to look for something after? Like would it be like you know, one of the running backs rushing yards or like one of these receivers in particular or something like that? Yeah, I mean, so obviously we were talking so much about maybe passes funneling to, to Jaden Reed. Again, he's a rookie, yeah. but Kyler Gordon last year struggled a lot. Sounds like he's lo- he's looked better. Um, I think he is a perfect fit in like Ibrahim's defense. I get why they took him, you know, top forty, but you know, maybe exploitable because he he was pretty bad last year. Um, and then I, I think like Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon could have one hundred and fifty plus combined rushing yards in this game. In the uh, first close practice. For fans, so the media was still able to go, but the fans weren't. Um, the Packers broke out triple option and like had a bunch of weird stuff. Like, uh, I, th- I think Jordan Love ran an option with like Christian Watson. They were doing all sorts of dumb end arounds. Um, they've ran this like Musgrave jet motion carry, uh, like in the red zone before. Um, I think they did it twice in uh in, in practice this year. Um. So I could see them just doing some weird stuff in this game if some of these receivers end up going down. We'll see. That'll be fun. That'll be interesting. I, I mean, I think you can just because of the youth across the entire defense, but also, again, just not being able to win up front. Like, you probably could do some weird stuff uh, and maybe get away with it. So, yeah. Plug all your stuff. Let people know where they can see you. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter slash X at uh, at PFF underscore Brad. Uh, obviously putting out content all year long on PFF.com. And if you are a gambling man uh, or lady, uh, check out the PFF forecast. It's our main gambling podcast, and, I, and I'm a co-host there. Awesome, man. Um, can we get a Go Pack Go from you? I actually was joking. I'm wearing a, if you see this, looking sharp Cooper cheese shirt, which I didn't even, it wasn't, I just put it on this morning. Uh, it's not actually Wisconsin cheese, but I do love Wisconsin. I'm not going to give you a go pack go, but look, Lambo's elite. One of the coolest experiences of my life. I'm sure we lost that game too. I love the state of Wisconsin, but I, I don't know about a go pack go. This, this is what I got on the Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I still own you shirt that, that we sold at AVC. So how about your ducks? 81 seven, man. I'm just going to pivot. I'm just going to oh hard. God. <laughs> All right. This is what we're doing. College football to end this. All right. I have a couple buddies who work at the university of Oregon um, in the football department. Right. And uh, I was told before the game, they're like, we're going to try to score a hundred, I think. <laughs> and I guess a lot of it is like the whole Bo Nix thing. Um, yeah. You know, obviously uh, if you guys follow college football uh, and you could tune out now, if you want to, um, this is just rambling from a, a ducks fan. Uh, so Oregon has put up billboards now in Dallas and New York 
to try to swing Heisman voters to voting for Bo Nix. I think the, the Ducks really want the publicity um, from a potential Heisman Bo Nix. So they're just leaning into it and using it as almost PR. And part of their idea was, hey, if we're going to play on the Pac-12 network and no one can see us, we might as well blow someone out so that they have to put us on like Sports Center. So I think that's what we're in store for. I think uh, two weeks from now, so this will be like eight days from when you're listening to this, it will be Oregon against Deion Sanders in Eugene. And I am, they've already sold out those tickets. I'm desperately trying to figure out a way where I don't have to spend $200 on these tickets without having to buy like uh, the whole like Pac-12 season ticket package. So that's where I'm at in terms of Oregon fandom. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's tough because you also probably could have had that ticket like a week ago for, you know, 50 bucks or oh, less. I bet, I bet against Deion Sanders. I tweeted out like, you only get a bet against Dion's debut once. And uh, I mean, you guys at PFF tell me like that wide receiver playing all those snaps. There's, there's he no put 151 to... snaps. Travis Hunter. In a, it's unbelievable. Degrees. At 100 degrees in Texas and going coming from altitude down to like sea level, 151 snaps. Like the thing is like everyone talking Woodson and all that, like Woodson was a, was a, like a specialist on offense yes. and a full-time defense. Hunter's a full-time player on both sides of the ball. I can't remember a guy because the last guy I can really remember playing offense and defense, and again, it was more limited, was Adoree Jackson. Yep, yeah. And yep. even, yeah, I mean, playing that many snaps, I don't know if you could do that the entire season at elevation. Dion seems confident, and at this point, I'm like, I'm not saying he's the messiah or anything, but I'm like, I can't, I've already been wrong. So <laughs> what, what yeah. does it do doubting you again? So I'll just wait for it to come down. But yeah, I mean, a guy like that, I don't know what you do with, I guess it'll be an interesting debate, right? For, for especially like you guys who could kind of crunch the numbers where it's like, this guy's playing corner and receiver. If we think he's equally as good at both, which one is more valuable for him as an NFL prospect, right? It probably should be corner. It's, a, it's I I I think he's a better corner than receiver. I mean, it's early. It is a yeah. fascinating conversation though, because like money wise, they're fairly similar. Like obviously, corners catching up, I and mean, receivers more. But you know, corners are catching up. They're super valuable. If you're an elite lockdown guy, or not even that. Like if you're, uh, you know, a Pat Sertan, just a great athlete. Like you're going to go early, get paid a whole lot of money. Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be fascinating. I guess that's two years away now, but he's already like on that trajectory. All right. That's anyway. a podcast. Let's go, Ducks. What, what's, go Ducks. The com- what's the Commodores? Or are you Tulane? There you go. There you go. All right. Yeah. Which Are you Tulane or Vandy? Well, uh, Tulane was grad school, so I don't really care. But even though, of course, they're good now. Uh, no, I'm Vandy. Uh, 2-0, okay. you know, played on week zero. Probably going to get steamrolled by week four this weekend. But, you know, that's all right. All right. Finish your statement. All right. Go Pack L, guys. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.